Ladies and gentlemen, uh, from the NAM, joining us, a huge crowd favorite, a hard hitter, a fearless tackler, an international captain, a champion, a farmer, a husband, a dad, Namibian, Griquas, Orilak, Bulls, Saracens, and three Rugby World Cups. Welcome on the podcast, Jack Berger. Thank you, Kone. Thank you very much for having me. Jockey, I can hear you move around. Um, so you can hear all sorts of other sounds. Are you, are you um, ready for this? I'm ready. I'm seated down, so um, hopefully I won't move around too much. But yeah, there's nothing much going around me, so it's good. I'm ready. Awesome. Look, I know you're from Namibia, and the sound might might uh, we might not hear each other every now and again. But on this list, what is most important to you? Um, from the list of uh, of questions that you that you sent over. Yes, fearless tackler, um, Namibian captain, uh, rugby world cups, dad, okay, husband. Yeah, yeah. I think for a long time in my career, um, I think I focused on the wrong things. Um, rugby was number one always. Um, and my career was number one, and uh, towards the latter stage of my career, I realized what what the most important. When my kids came along, um, that was a big eye opener for me. Is uh, where my importance, where my uh, my pride actually is, and where my loyalty lies. And that's obviously first off with my kids and with my wife, my family. Um, and and then after, obviously with 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 God above as well, and um, yeah, after that everything follows. And I think if all those things are in place and you're happy there, and um, yeah, you you're loved, then everything else will will just go well. Oh, amazing! I knew that would be the answer. Um, how are you, by the way? I'm very well, thank you. I'm very well. Um, it's been yeah, it's been a tough couple of years, you know, since retiring and and, and going into a full time job. Um, started farming four years ago, and uh, it's been we went through a terrible drought. Um, it's been an extremely tough time to get into the business, but um, yeah, it's it's going really well under circumstances. Like I said earlier, the importance of family. I've got good people around me. Um, my kids are healthy. Um, and yeah, spend a lot of time with him. So yeah, extremely happy living here in Namibia, which is um, which is slow living, but it's it's a great place to be. Uh, Family-wise, especially spending time with the family is, is is great. You know, wide open spaces, especially uh, throughout this uh, Corona time. You know, we realised how lucky we really are just to be in Namibia and to be um, so isolated. And uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's a great place to live. Yeah, I've been, and it's amazing. But how's the family? The family's doing really well. Um, it's my, my wife is from this area. Um, she grew up here. Her family is close close to where we farm. So for her moving back, it was it was great. You know, she's um, it's been again for her it was tough as well. Uh, all the, the tough times we went through the couple of, last couple of years trying to get our business up and running, and um, yeah, the external factors that we couldn't control, the rainfall, everything, but. I mean, with us, it's going really well. The family is doing well. It's um, she's um, yeah, she's she's back home where she's been following my career for a long time, and now I'm back where she grew up. So I think it's it's, it's a fair trade-off now, and kids are doing really well. So yeah, it's it's going really well. We we um, approaching December, so we uh, can't wait to to kick off the boots and walk on the beaches and uh, have a couple of beers and uh, yeah, just relax and forget about everything. So it, it's coming towards the end part of the year where you just uh, can't wait to get to the holiday time. Yeah, twenty twenty can can do one, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, but, it's, uh, uh, it's been a long year. Yeah, but um, yeah, but tell me a, a bit about the area. Tell us about the area you guys now live in and the landscape and what what you do there and what the what your family who's 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 the kid who are the kids and what's your wife's name and what you guys are busy with. Yeah, so we live down south in Namibia, um, near Stamprit. We're about 40 kilometers outside uh, the closest town. Uh, we also, we are our closest school here, so that's where my kids go to school, to Um 
yeah, my little girl, she's eight years old. She's, uh, her name is Mila. And my little boy is Malan. Uh, he's six years old. Like I said earlier, he's a busy one. He's, uh, his sister is away at school and um, learning, getting smart, and he's around the house making trouble. So, um, yeah, um, so we, we live in, it's, it's in the Kalahari. So it's red, red sand dunes. Um, yeah, wide open spaces. Like I said, it's an extremely beautiful part of the country. For me, I've got a, I'm very passionate about this area, about the landscape, and how beautiful it is. And uh, the sunsets are amazing. Um, it obviously, when it doesn't rain, it gets too red, and it's not pretty either. But um, yeah, very hot, very hot summers. Um, not a, summers are long as well. Uh, we've got a very short winter, so it's uh, we don't we don't get to experience the cold quite often here. But um, yeah, it's um, it's a beautiful part of the world uh, down south in Namibia, and uh, like I said, it's a uh, something it's an area that i fall in love with yeah i can imagine i've i've been through parts of namibia and it's breathtaking so um what what do you do on a farm what what is it that you farm with and how do you what's your daily sort of a weekly sort of tasks and what what do you get yourself busy with yeah so we started off i was a cattle and a sheep farmer uh, four years ago and Obviously, with the drought, um, cattle are animals who tend to eat a lot more. They like they like to eat a lot, so you need you need a lot of um, lot of grass, and uh, it became impossible to feed all of them. Um, so it's it's all um, free range animals. So we keep them out, and they they feed off the off the land, and they live on the land. So um, so we decided to get rid of the cattle farming and 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 went into sheep farming. Just just focusing on on sheep farming. And uh, yeah, it's 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 challenging as well. You know, sheep is uh, there's a lot of predators around, so predator control is is quite tough. Um, and so yeah, you kind of just basically it's just a just a format of you run around and you fix fences. You make sure the animals stay in. You make sure they've got water. Um, and as you know, like if, if you move into a farm, if you buy a farm, like everything is really old. So everything comes to that stage where it's falling apart. So uh, you've got something planned and, and you go out just for a routine check. If the water is uh, all right and the animals, there's no there's no um, predators that's, that have caught any animals or there's no deaths in your, in your, in your farming. Um, and then it all just changes. Then you've got to do something completely different. Uh, one of your boreholes have, have closed in or, um, yeah, there's no water, so you've got to make sure that you get everything um, fixed. And, yeah, so it's, it's, a, it's a big maintenance job. There are times through the year when, when you're marketing sheep and we're um, making sure our sheep are healthy and we keep uh, putting out feed for them, supplements, uh, nutrients, making sure that they uh, – because because it gets quite dry, yet they adapt to this dry environment. And uh, yeah, we can keep them living and keep them, keep them healthy. No, oh, amazing. Is it um, is it la- lamb uh, or wool that you? Yeah, no lamb, lamb, lamb. lamb yeah. Okay. So, so we yeah we produce we produce for meat. Yeah. Um, yeah. This obviously a lot of people have um, have their views on, on uh, farming for meat, but I mean if you see how many hungry people there are in Africa, um, everybody who produces food is, is so vital. Yeah, for sure. Now. Growing up in a place like Namibia, um, you know, tell us about your life and getting into sport and did you, how did you get into rugby and did you always wanted to play rugby and did you always wanted to get to professional level? Yeah, what, how did this all, how did it all work from a young age for you? Yeah, so I, I I grew up with my grandmother up till the age I lived with her up till the age of about 12, 13 years old. Um, and on weekends, my dad came and picked me up, and he would take me to a rugby match. Uh, rugby matches. He was a manager at a local club, uh, an amateur club. Uh, back then, manager wasn't somebody who had a. It's not a um, like doesn't run the whole show of, of picking teams and whatever. But he was just made sure the shirts were out. Everybody had at um, their strapping. Even did the injections like the Voltaren and stuff for the pain medication, stuff like that, and rubbed the DP and did everything yeah. uh, in the locker room. So I, I kind of just tagged along um, in the early parts of my life when I was about six, six, seven, five, six, seven, I would say. 
um, and just went along, you know, ball boys. Obviously, I was ball boys every weekend. Made a, made a couple of bucks uh, returning the balls. They were kicked over the, over the wall. So, um, yeah, I mean, the environment, the whole rugby environment, and just hanging around the boys. And, um, yeah, just seeing, like, I mean, I, I always went to the locker rooms just before the boys went out. And um, I just love that smell of the beat and, and the kindness of the guys. You know, big rugby players, in my eyes, those guys were legends, you know. They were, even though a lot of them, or none of them actually played professional rugby, but they were, in my eyes, they were, they were legends, you know, and they, they always had a smile on their face and they were really kind to me. So the whole atmosphere and the rugby culture just developed there. You know? and since, since my, those days, you know, next to the pitch, you would always find a couple of kids who will grab a can of Coke, an empty can of Coke, and will play rugby and anything just, just to, just to get involved with rugby. So I kind of uh, developed a passion for the sport very quickly in my life, and from from there on, it was it was, uh, it was yeah, it was my dream to become a professional rugby player, to play for my country. Obviously, um, yeah, it was it was a massive dream. Obviously, didn't think that um, it it could come true. You know, you always doubt yourself. There are times where I did doubt myself throughout um, my my career growing up, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm extremely grateful that I did get the chance to play professional rugby, and obviously. Captain my country and playing through the World Cups is obviously a great, great honor. Uh, it, it's that um, community of rugby, you know, uh, when you get to a rugby club or around rugby teams or boy, boys and girls, and you um, have that common bond. And um, I, I yeah. guess the distances in um, Namibia made it even more special coming. Uh, together every now and again for a rugby game or yeah. something like that uh, on a Saturday or you know because um, you guys have to travel quite distances just to go and play or just to go and train or just to go yeah. and, you know and get together yeah yeah definitely um, and yeah back then there was there was not a lot of rugby players there's still not a lot of rugby players in Namibia so um, there'll be a couple of teams um, obviously in Bentuk where I grew up in the capital um, most most teams will be in Bintuk, so a lot of league matches will be played there, but then you'll play games 300, 400 kilometers away um, and south, north. Uh, Namibia is so vast, these towns are so far apart that, uh, and, and like I said, all amateurs, you know, you guys who play their own, their own, own petrol, their own uh, fuel to get to, to matches and take time of their jobs and and uh, yeah, it's it's um, it's not, not that easy to to get in a full competitive league and, and uh, yeah, to pitch up and play every game. A lot of teams uh, can't afford to play every weekend. So, yeah, a lot of distance needs to be covered, uh, which makes it tough to kind of get the whole, um, I would say, the whole development of rugby-wise in Namibia. I think that's one of the big challenges being so far apart, getting everybody in and, and um, within a short amount of time or, or on a regular basis to develop the game is, is quite tough. Yeah, I guess, um, you know, st- still looking at the players that Namibia delivers every now and again, the quality of player that comes out of the country with the player pool that's there and the, diff- the challenges that Namibian rugby has, it still produces quality players. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think what we do have, you know, the advantage that we'd have a lot of uh, over other countries, I think smaller tier three countries, is that we have a rugby culture. You know, we love our rugby. Um, obviously, being part of South Africa up till 1990, and then we became independent. Uh, we, so we're a relatively young country, but we've had that rugby culture in us, you know, and it's great. And predominantly, uh, it was only played by a certain group of people, you know, um, and then the game has been so. It's, it's grown so much, you know, it's still very small in numbers. We're only about, I think, two and a half, three million people in Namibia. So um, the game has uh, moved so much within different cultures, a lot of new people, new faces, uh, new cultures start playing rugby, which is great. Everybody adds a little bit something special. So I love for the game. I think it's, 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 it's an important part of, of, of development and, and, and progressing in the sport is if you've got a passion for it and, then already you're, you're one step closer. You know, a lot of other countries, tier three countries specifically, uh, smaller countries need to put in a lot of money, a lot of time to develop that culture to just to promote and let people see what it's about. We know what rugby is yeah. about. We know the values of rugby. We know um, we know the family, like you said, the family ethos rugby brings and 
brings everybody together. So we've got that. We've got our challenges. Um, we don't have a lot of money to, to spend in Namibia, unfortunately, on, on, on rugby. But um, to have that rugby culture in us, you know, we've, we love the game. We watch the rugby every weekend. When we have a bry. We watch, we watch the games and we, we enjoy our rugby. So I think that's an important part to, to go forward and developing the game in Namibia. Yeah. Um, no, and long may it continue because, you know, such an important yeah. part of African rugby and world rugby now being part of World Cups. You know, yeah, I remember definitely. Southwestern, um, what, what was it called? Southwest, Southwest Africa, Africa playing yeah. in yeah. the Curry Cup when I was growing up. You know, um, yeah, yeah. So, what was the big thing when you were growing up, apart from rugby, that you guys went and do, you know, as youngsters? Because it's an outdoor life, um, and that yeah. adds to the quality of play and the fitness, the hardness, the you know, it adds to you know, parts to a player that they can use in their rugby, you know, yeah. Yeah, so we, uh, I grew up, I, I, I was in boarding school my whole life, since the age of seven. So um, I was in boarding school with a load of farmer boys. My, my family lived in the city, so I was a, if you can call Ventuk a city, it's it's become a city now, but I mean, it's not close to what you guys are used to overseas and in Europe and, and the US or wherever. But, um, so we had a lot of farm boys, and the farm boys were always the, the tough kids, you know. They were guys who would run out, weren't afraid to climb the highest tree, you know, um, jump off the highest cliff, you know, those, they always had that, obviously growing up on, on, on the, in the outside, the farming life, the big spaces, they, they spend a lot of time outside. So being in the boarding house with those loads of, loads of farmer, farmers, boys, um, has a lot of value. You know, we're always outside playing, always tackling, always doing, um, I know the English call it British bulldog, bulldog we used to call it up in the game. Yeah. So we used to do... We used to do everything outside, and we couldn't wait um, to get through our school day just to go out and play and throw rocks and run and shoot um, slingshots and stuff like that, you know. So we had a, we do have a, a culture, and, and then obviously it's easy back then. There was no, no TV to watch during the week. There was no cell phones. There was nothing like that. So it's that made it a lot easier to develop and physically develop. Um, and, and I mean, we made a point to to get involved with as much as we could, you know, sports-wise. We had wrestling at school. Um, obviously, played any, any any sport, cricket, whatever there was to do. Uh, we'd go out and we do it. Being in boarding school, it was an opportunity to to go out and play with other kids and and uh, yeah, not to have to do too much studying. So I mean, it was a, it was a way out of getting out of studying is to to do as much sports as you possibly can. So. <laughs> Um, we do have a culture of playing outside and, and uh, spending a lot of time running around. And I'm sure that that's very valuable growing up and when you're developing as a, as a rugby player specifically or any sportsman for that, for that matter, it's, uh, it's very valuable to, to be outside and develop yourself. Yeah, luckily for you, um, you know, this, the, the internet, the signal um, is not that great and the farm so the, your kids can you know, you know have less of the screen time that kids elsewhere would would get and that and I'm, I'm sure you're happy with that i'm definitely happy with that you know it's it's still challenging we do have internet at home you know it's i've got to do if i want to do business or interview or whatever the case may be it needs to be done at home i can't just when i'm out um, in the field when i'm farming um, there's, there's most places you won't get any reception on your phone. You can't even make a phone call. So, um, I mean, that is, I think that is part of the appeal for me. Um, I lived in England for six years, six, seven, almost seven years. So um, I get what that lifestyle is like. Um, kids uh, have to spend a lot of time inside. The weather is not as, as uh, favorable as it is over here. Um, Space-wise, there is a lot of challenges over there that, over here, I feel for a kid that that is one of the main reasons I did come back. You know, it's for my kids. I wanted to give them that lifestyle of, of being on a farm, being uh, having open spaces to run in and to to yeah, just to feel what what it's like to be a kid without uh, being locked up too much and then being in, in, in small rooms and um, it's constantly weather's weather's poor and stuff like that. So I mean, that is it is great. You know, still still my kids love watching watching TV and they love 
uh, going on YouTube or Netflix or whatever. There is obviously kids, they, they do love that. You know, if I don't tell my kid, listen, you've got to get off the iPad now. Um, we've got a rule on weekends. Um, they can watch a bit of iPad um, or, or computer or whatever they want to do. Um, so weekends is tough to get them away from there. Even then I have to say, listen, okay, guys, that, that's enough. Now let's go do something else. But especially my boy, he loves it. You know, he just wants to play games constantly. So uh, it is challenging getting him away. And he's not always happy with it. But, uh, I mean, I'm, again, I'm blessed in that, to be in that situation where I can tell him, listen, um, on, a, in a, on a morning, get dressed, we're going out to the field, we're going out to the farm, he's going to help me. And sometimes he complains, sometimes he gets in there, yeah, and he's happy to do it, but um, it's it's an option, you know, to have him with me and go out, and it's our wide open spaces. And, uh, yeah, especially when it rains, you know, it's lovely. I think now it's becoming a bit dry again, it's 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 hot, it's, it's, uh, it's not that easy being out there. Um, working all day in the sun, you know, it, it can be quite daunting, especially when you have a six-year-old with you, and he obviously doesn't enjoy being out in the heat all day. But um, I mean, it is it is quality of life, and it's it's definitely something that I'm uh, very grateful for that I could that, that I can offer my kids this um, this opportunity to grow up in a in a small on a farm and it's close to a small town, a small school where uh, yeah we. Values and morals and everything are still like very, very, um, very simple, but very straightforward. And and, and yeah, it's, it's there's not a lot of distractions with uh, with everything that's going on around the world. You know, you're kind of um, living in this in this little bubble where you can uh, protect your kids and be around them constantly, spend time with them. So I mean, it is it is it's a it's a lifestyle that you can't really put the value to. It's uh, there's a lot of places where I could be and make a lot more money. I'm sure I promise you that. But to be to be uh, to, uh, to 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 do all that and to see my kids having that lifestyle is is definitely something that makes me very happy. Yeah, I'm sure they're gonna uh, thank you for it in the future. Um, <laughs> well, look, um, let's move on to rugby now. Namibia, um, Greekwas. How did your rugby, your professional rugby? career start started um yeah so i went to school bentuk high school um which is a public school in bentuk uh, one of one of the oldest schools in a movie i would say and um yeah obviously played rugby non-stop since since i started going to school and towards the end of my career um i started doing well you know represented the movie junior levels um craven weeks a couple of times and uh played the movie under 19 I think I was captain for the under 20 side and then the 20 World Cup. Um, but I mean, for uh, after after school, I had a, a bursary, a small bursary to go to um, to the Cheetahs in Bloemfontein. So uh, I went there for a couple of years, uh, which was great, you know, to see what what they train like, train like, because I had a very amateur view of what rugby is like. So everywhere I went, I picked up a little bit and I learned a little bit and. Uh, to when I went to the Cheetahs, I, a, I saw what work ethic they put in fitness-wise for them was a, was a was something that was always very important to to being a Cheetah rugby player. You got to be extremely fit, and, and I was not fit at all. You know, I was a big boy. I loved to carry the ball, uh, make a couple of big hits. Quite lazy, so that was great. That was a great first step for me is to move into into the Cheetahs and uh, junior levels and, and yeah, pick up their work ethic and running-wise and fitness-wise and. Uh, very valuable for me as a rugby player. And uh, after that, I, I quit playing rugby for a while. Uh, I went through some personal stuff. I went through a, quite, a, quite a bad patch in my life where I was struggling to struggling with depression, where I had to um, just kind of leave everything and just look after myself for a while. Um, for about a year, I just stopped playing rugby completely and um, went through a quite, a quite a tough time. I had to come back to Namibia, started working, got a job as a, as a salesman, um, started selling consumables, uh, cartridges, printers, um, all that. And um, actually met my wife while, while working there. So there was obviously a reason for me that I had to come back and, and uh, uh, yeah, and meet my wife and mother of my kids and um, still together uh, 13 years later. So it's, it's um, obviously worked out the, the way it should, you know. And, and after that year, I stopped playing. Um, I decided this and I'll, I'll feel better now. Um, I... I was, I think I lost 20 kilograms in that year. Um, got back to training. Um, was extremely unfit. Um, <laughs> probably a bit overweight. 
Um, and just to make a decision, just just to like try try again. Let's 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 do it right this time. And uh, yeah, lost 20 kilograms, started playing for Namibia, got picked to play for Namibia. Um, a big a big part of that has to big thank you has to go to Donny Vermeil and you know, he was a he was a big part of, of that changing period that that step over period into into a positive place uh, rugby wise and and in my personal life you know he was uh, the first guy I felt first coach uh, well I wouldn't say the first one but the, it was he was definitely I could definitely feel he had a massive belief in what I'm capable of and who I can be. Um, and he was a, he was he was coaching from a wheelchair. You know, he was somebody wow. who was a talented rugby player himself. He was somebody who had a prospect of becoming a, a springbok possibly um, in the future. And then at the age I think of 24, 25, he became paralyzed from the waist down. So, I mean, a guy like that inspired me extremely. So um, to to see him every night, you know, after we get off work, early mornings before we go to work, you know, we'll do fitness. And, We'll get back home at 10 in the evenings, you know, and, and he'll be there sitting in his wheelchair, cold, hot, raining, what doesn't matter, and he'll be there watching us and then and, and pouring us on. And, and yeah, that, that was that was a big, I think that was a big step for me in, in the right direction. Um, and I was extremely motivated then, started playing for Namibia. Um, I mean, that, that's just when my drive set in, I was just overly, over, not overly, I would say so, so focused on my rugby. Like I was, loved it. Very, very healthy lifestyle, worked extremely hard, you know, um, tried to work harder than anybody around me. Um, and I think it showed, you know, I think um, through, through my performances there, I got opportunity to, when I started playing for Namibia, I had a couple of, I think a year, year and a half, I played for Namibia before I had an opportunity to go to the Greek West, which uh, again, for me, it was my first like taste of professional rugby. Although, I mean, we, we didn't get paid, um, any well, we didn't get paid much. We didn't make a lot of money out of it. But I mean, that, that was that was not something that was in my um, in my mind at that time. I wasn't worrying about the money too much. I just wanted to play rugby. Um, and I got an opportunity to go to Requests, and I, I, I was in Kimberley, and I, I played there for three years. Um, and again, I mean, I got there first year. I was I was uh, like quite small, very inexperienced, and uh, extremely fit. Never went to a gym before in my life. I think I weighed 80 kilograms when I when I joined. Then I was a back row. You know, I was extremely light. So I mean, I wasn't taken too seriously in the first. I think when I when I joined, they saw me and thought, "Who's this skinny kid? What is he going to do?" But um, I eventually, when I got into it and I started started going to the gym, obviously again something that I learned there is that you have to go to the gym and um, get stronger, get bigger. You can't compete against uh, the other guys if you. You weigh 80 kilograms, just too small and too light, and uh, yeah, grew a lot within those three years. You know, learned a lot by the second, third year, I would say, especially the third year, I was playing good rugby and I was feeling good, and I was I picked up a lot of a lot of weight. I was um, extremely fit, you know. And I was just in a very good place and rugby-wise, but um, didn't feel like there was enough room for me to grow there. Now, I wanted to go. Somewhere else, you know, I, I had bigger plans than, than uh, spending time there. Um, and no disrespect to to um, to the Greek coach, you know, they were extremely valuable to me, what they've done to my rugby career. But I just felt like I wasn't getting that opportunity to to grow um, as much as I possibly wanted to. So I went to, I decided, listen, it's um, didn't have any other options in South Africa wise. Have played already. I've played for Namibia, so I'm, I'm not valid to play to qualify for as a South African or Springboks. So I thought, listen, let's go out and make some experience. Let's 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 take uh, a completely different route and see what what life outside is like outside Africa. Never been, we never went overseas. Like uh, well, I went to, to New Zealand when I was in high school. Uh, I matriculated for first year too. We went to New Zealand, but besides that, never went to Europe. Never been there. So I thought, listen. Let's go there and see see what life's like. So, uh, joined Oriac there, which was again a, a great experience. You know, completely different. Uh, playing in the second second division in, in France, um, and and spent I think 2007 uh, just before the World Cup is, is when I signed. You know, spent spent one season there, and uh, yeah, after that moved moved over to the Bulls. Wow, and that um, I know you didn't have a lot of. Um, Super rugby game time there, but what did you learn yeah. at the Bulls? Because there was a uh, there was a rise when you were there in the Bulls side. Um, yeah, 
uh, just starting out to to where they got to those successive um, uh, wins, you know, champ, yeah. champions in the Super Rugby, Curry Cup, etc. Yeah, it was it was tough, you know, to join them. Obviously, it was a my my father was a big Blue Bull supporter, for, so for me as a kid, I was a Blue Bull supporter myself. So the dream was to play for the Bulls. That was my that was my lifelong dream. So when I got the opportunity, you know, I was I jumped at it. I was I couldn't get there quick enough, and uh, it was it was tough, you know. When I got when I got there, it was um, they were they were a settled side, you know. There were a lot of them came from just after school. They've been there for a long time. They've been together. Probably one of the best best bull sides in, in in the history. You know, they had an extremely good side. You know, um, world class Springboks playing for them. So game time wasn't wasn't I wasn't getting enough. Um, and um, I mean, uh, a lot of people look at it and they would say, yeah, it is Springboks playing above you. So it's it's uh, just hang around and, and see. Maybe you'll get an opportunity. But I, mean, I wasn't there. You know, even though I had massive huge respect for all of those players. You know, I wanted to play with them or I wanted to play against them. I wouldn't I didn't want to hold bags and, and, and hang around and, and learn a couple of lessons and, and that's I was ready to play and I wanted to play as much rugby as I could. Um, knowing that one's career is only only that short or that long. So I um again such a big learning curve going to the Bulls their their work ethic was was extremely good. You know they Pre-seasons were some of the toughest pre-seasons I've experienced in my life. Um, the the way they, they gym work, obviously, the time they spend in the gym um, working on strength and stuff was unbelievable. You know, if you didn't make the squad, especially you were, I mean, by the end of the week, you, you didn't have any energy for nothing. You know, on Fridays, you'll do strongman. When the other guys are doing captain's run, you'll do strongman, um, strongman competitions and stuff like that. It was, it was extremely tough, but... I loved it. I loved it. I thrived there. I got, I got stronger. I got better. Um, I learned so much, you know. And, and when my time at the Bulls ended, um, I was disappointed in, in not playing as much. Um, that was part of the reason why I decided to to move on to something else. You know, I was I was still looking for my place, for my home, um, the place where I would feel um, where I fit in, where I am part of the family and part of the squad and. Uh, an important, an important part of the of the squad, um, and and yeah, that's that's when I decided to make the move over to, to Saracens. Yeah, and that was two thousand and ten, correct? Yeah, yeah, that was that was the end of two thousand and nine. I think uh, I, I was waiting for my visa uh, in two thousand nine. Uh, the season was already started midway through the season, but in December, um, waiting on my visa, and, and obviously spoke to Brendan. Before before I joined Saracens, I had the opportunity to go to um, to Santori uh, in Tokyo with with uh, Eddie Jones. You know, Eddie Jones was the coach back then. I had the opportunity to go, and uh, there was an offer on the table. But I mean, Saracens convinced me to to move over to uh, to uh, to the UK. You know, obviously, money money would have been better in, in in Japan, and again, would have been a great experience. Uh, yeah, it's such a great country. But uh, I mean, the the Back then, the Japanese league wasn't as strong as, as, as it is now, as competitive as it is now. There's not, there's, there wasn't as much rugby being played as, as there is now. So, um, I mean, I wanted to win cups. I wanted to win big trophies. I wanted to play against the best in the world. That was that was my that was the idea. Um, and the English league was the, the premiership was such a appealing place for me because being part of the, the European Champions Cup and the Obviously, play with a lot of a lot of internationals that come over, um, and playing with the English internationals, you get you get to spend a lot of time playing against international players, players, world class players. And uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, as soon as my visa was ready, now Brendan said to me, "Mate, take take your time. Season is is is, uh, is already on on the way, or already halfway through. So spend some time with your family back home, and after Christmas, make." Whenever you're ready, come over and, and, and we'll fall in. And uh, yeah, when my visa was ready, I think the day before Christmas, I said, listen, I've got to book flights, we're going. So me and my missus, we got on a flight on Christmas Day, um, got there um, later, yeah, I think Christmas Eve, we got there. Um, and yeah, it was uh, <laughs> it was strange. It was snowing. Um, it was it was completely different. You know? But I was just so hungry, so excited to, to be part of, of this new um this new story, you know, I wanted to, 
and again, like I felt this was probably the time in my life career that I felt the most ready. I felt I've matured a lot as a rugby player, and I've, I've learned a lot, and I'm, I'm ready to to show people what I have, you know, what I can do. And um, yeah, when I got to Saracens, you know, the, I mean, from the very start when I got there, I just felt so welcome. You know, they uh, the way they looked after me and my family, uh, the love, you know, just a personal touch, like the owner of the club, Nigel Ray. Just sending you a handwritten letter just to welcome you um, to the club. Um, just a personal touch, um, and the way I mean everything, everything they did, everything the club did was was so special. And uh, when I, when I joined, you know, I, the first thing I wanted to do is to impress them. I wanted to be, um, I wanted to show them, listen, I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm not just another squad player. I want to be in the, in the regular as a regular starter. I want to play as much rugby. I want to play every weekend if possible. And um, I mean, I was extremely hungry then, and uh, I think I think it showed, you know. And I got an opportunity, uh, I think about a month or two months later, started playing for the A side, um, uh, midweek games, and uh, yeah, I mean, loved it, loved it, and and putting a couple of good performances, and then started getting into the first first squad, and yeah, played over 100 games there. So I mean, what a what a what a experience! Now I'm extremely blessed to have been part of that that group since 2019. Up to um, up to yeah, where we finished 2015-16. Yeah, you. Uh, I mean, if you look at the hundred games, you know, and was it four, six or seven seasons? Um, yeah. And again, uh, the uh, what was built at Saracens, you know, um, that culture that you're talking about, the way they looked after players in terms of the personal touch. Not so much yeah. the financial side of things, um, more the personal mm-hmm. touch and the culture that they created. You know, you could see it in the players' performances, and you could see Saracens making that steps all the time and growing and growing. So, um, if you think about back now, there there the must be games that you think this 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 game stands out for me as one of the most enjoyable most most significant games in my career that I played for Saracens. Yeah, there's there's quite a, there's there's a couple of them. Um, I think that first year when I joined, um, like I said, towards the end of the season, I started playing regularly, and, and when I opened my eyes, I was playing a Premiership final, you know, which was unbelievable. I, was playing in a, at Twickenham, uh, sold out Twickenham against the, the Tigers, left the Tigers in the final. You know, it was such an unbelievable feeling, um, and it was, it was we were in such a role. We were beating everybody And that semi final. That uh, nobody gave us a chance, you know, to beat Northampton the week before um, in the semi final, and all of a sudden we're in the finals, and it was it was so surreal to be part of that group. And um, yeah, we lost narrowly um, at the end of that game, you know. But um, I mean, that hurt. Obviously, we wanted to. I mean, what a dream start it would have been. But that I think Brendan said it as well to us afterwards. I mean, it wasn't our time yet, you know. We I know it's disappointing, and everybody feels quite hurt. And and, and it's been a long year. You've put a lot into it, and, and it feels like you're walking away with nothing. But it, it wasn't like that at all, you know. It was we learned so much, and like I said, we grew again as so much as a team. And we were so happy off the field, you know. It was such a great, great feeling to be happy in your job, to love what you're doing. You step off the pitch, you've got loads of friends around you. It's a whole family thing that just made it so, so it was such a, probably one of the happiest times that I mean, I've been in my, my rugby career was that first and second year. And um, I mean, the game, one game obviously that stands out would be the year after that, you know, when we played Leicester again in the final. And um, when we ended up winning the match, you know, winning the Premiership and Becoming the Premiership final for um, Premiership champ for the first time, you know, um, was was unreal. Uh, defended, I think, ten minutes overtime at the end on our line to to keep them out. Um, Leicester being four points behind and needed a try to score, and yeah, just the determination, the whole team and everybody, and just a, such a collective effort from every single person out there on the pitch that day, and and, and all the support staff. Um, but that that feeling when that final whistle blew, you know, I always remember that feeling. The just the relief, really, of all the work you've put in, put in, and finally having something to show for it, you know. Um, uh, and and there's there's loads of other matches, you know. But I mean, I, we had a we had a saying around the club as well. I mean, we 
it's it's not about winning games, you know. Yes, you want everyone who wants to win games, you know. But if you if the whole process and everything that's done around um, around winning is done well, you know, you're enjoying what you do and you're working extremely hard, and you are, um, yeah, just humility was a big thing, you know. Trying to be humble, you know. Don't don't let everything run away from you. Be you, you know. Be um, mixed with people. Make sure you you have a personal touch and you don't lose like lose perspective of who you are. And, and focus on, on what you're doing, you know, then the wins will come automatically. If all that is in place, um, you're happy at home, obviously, um, they made sure that we they looked after our families extremely well. So when you're happy at home, you've got loads of friends around you, and you know that they work as hard as you do. They love the club. Um, I mean, that is, that's what showed that 2011, 2010-11 uh, season, when we lifted that trophy. You know, it's just a relief of, and, and, and the proof that, that what you put in is, is is the reward you get is becoming champions, and uh, yeah, that after that game it was just like I could exhale. Like for the first time, I felt like I could just exhale and, and just enjoy my holiday, not think about what's happening next season. Yeah, um, I was player of the season that season as well. Yes, I was gonna. Extreme, extreme I was gonna for, mention yeah, that. Yeah. You know, so. That, se- that season, obviously leading up to the Rugby World Cup in New Zealand, you just yeah. just ending that um, season and then having to enjoy that and then get starting get getting prepared for Rugby World Cup. So fantastic um, achievement having been there only le- just over a year. Um, getting into that final, winning it, being play, play, Saracen's Player of the Year, and in your time, being uh, getting that reputation of being the toughest tackler, hardest hard hitter in in English Premiership. Um, you you obviously grown all these things put together, and that environment has given you that chance to sort of sort of um, just be yourself and put the best. Of you out there, um, but World Cup, you you obviously went to three World Cups, which is amazing. I mean, two thousand and seven, two thousand and eleven, um, two thousand and fifteen. Um, so, talk to us about your World Cup because Saracens was special, you know. But how special was World Cups for you guys at, in Namibia and for yourself as an individual? Yeah, obviously, I mean, playing for your country is incredibly, incredibly, um, it's such a great feeling, you know, to, to wear that Namibian shirt and stand there in front of millions of people and sing your national anthem. I mean, it's, um, I'm not somebody that, that gets quite emotional before matches, so I never I never really cried about it. I mean, I, I just want to laugh and it's like, I'm just so happy just to know that, I mean, the joy inside, knowing that. Uh, you sing your anthem and where you've been and where you've, you, where you've ended up, you know, playing in a World Cup, uh, captaining your country or just, just playing, it's, it's already so great. You know, it's, um, it is a completely different atmosphere, though. If you, it's a completely um, – it's, it's a big bunch of amateur guys. You know, a lot of them – most of them were, in 2007 especially, were, were amateur guys. So guys who worked an 8 till 5 job and, and then played a bit of rugby afterwards – um, and to think, you know, playing against full professionals who have thousands and thousands of rugby players in every country, full professional setups, and we watch them, you know, we watch them growing up. All the Namibians watch uh, the players we play against growing up, thinking, wow, these guys are special, I would love to, love to meet them, and now you get the chance to play against them. So all those things, you know, that's what made it special with the Namibian guys, you know, they're all such humble, just great blokes. Um, uh, we'll, we'll all have a job, you know, they're back home in Namibia and then they uh, they make a living and they work hard and then they play a bit of rugby afterwards as well and, and, and they get the opportunity to play against the world's best, you know. You can see, you can see in, in, in the players' faces how much it means to them to be out there. Um, a lot of them, you know, some of those guys I went to school with, you know, some of those guys, um, it's such a personal touch, you know, like, You'll play with a guy who you know their cousin or their cousin knows you or your father and their father has been friends or he knows somebody that you went to school with. You know, it's, it's all like a big family in Namibia because we're not a lot of people. Um, everybody kind of knows everybody. So nobody is a hero or a massive like a 
golden era. Everybody's just like Namibians. And uh, I mean, when you represent Namibia, it's it's so much more personal than, than just representing a massive country where you've got to just kind of stay away from everybody because you are so famous and uh, such a big name. Uh, for us, it was all like everybody knew somebody who, Watching everybody back now, back home, watching the games on TV, would know every player there. Not everybody, but I mean a lot. Yeah, very connected. Uh, most of the players, very other. connected in some way, yeah. because because I mean that's just the way Namibia is. You know, it is kind of like a very connected um, connected community, and everybody in the rugby community kind of knows where where everybody's come from and where they where they are. So that that, that makes it more special, I would say, than representing a big like. Tier one, uh, top ten country is that that feeling. I mean, I, I suppose I think uh, it's, it's probably similar then to what the the, the Fiji and Tongans and, and Samoans and stuff. I think for them it's probably a similar feel to what we have. Yeah. So you you made your debut against Zambia, two thousand and four, and then two thousand and seven Rugby World Cup, um, and two thousand just. That significance from playing an African country, um, you know, apart from the Springboks, and then going to a Rugby World Cup and playing, you know, this there must be games that stands out that you thought, oh, this is this is big, you know. Yeah, yeah, definitely, they, they are games. Um, I think two thousand seven playing Ireland, played France. Um, Played Argentina, three big matches, obviously. Yeah. Being involved with all of them, extremely special, you know. And, and then again, when you look back to where who you've played, African rugby is. I mean, don't don't get me wrong, it's it's a it's it's a tough league. You know, physically it's very tough. Yeah. Um, when I was a youngster growing up, um, started playing for Namibia. I mean, it was tough. There was a lot of punch ups, a lot of eye gouging, poor refereeing, poor officiating. So it was a it was a free for all most of the time. So many. So many things went on in the pitch. Guys running in with head first or knee, and it was it's, it was crazy place. But I mean, for me, it was it was great. Like I, I was a youngster, so I had to step up. I was a back row. That was, I think, that was part where I mean, you had to show how tough you were because they were big, old, big guys, um, adult guys, and you were quite a relatively young kid. And I mean, when the punches start flying, you better get stuck in, or they'll know that you're afraid. So. And, and I was quite happy to do that. Yeah. That, was, that was something that I, that was um, that I think a lot of players would tell you that played with me is that I was I would never stand back for anything like that. But to go from that league um, of, of that, I mean, unstructured craziness, I would say almost, yeah. and going to a World Cup and seeing how everything is how everything is um, so well organized, professional. While you look up, so professional, um, and again, if you're watching the other teams like. The islands. I played islands in Argentina. Uh, the Springboks. You know, the All Blacks playing the 2015 World Cup again. Special, special moment. You know, it's um, yeah. It's 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 so just to just to take that all in. You know, to experience all of that is is is, is unbelievable. You know, and again, from where you come from, where you, where you end up is yeah. that's what that's what makes it special. But every World Cup game is is special. It doesn't matter who you play. You know, to stand out there. And uh, representing your country in the World Cup is unreal. Oh, um, I think Namibians, um, people who who've seen you develop and who, who's followed your career, would um, would be very glad to say they were lucky to to be able to see you in your national team colours and obviously playing for Saracens. We had loads of success as well. I mean, the two Premiership titles. Um, and being Saracens player of the year, um, but in at the 2011 World Cup, you know the media um, sort of selected you as one of the top five players in the tournament. Can you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do remember that afterwards. You know, it was uh, I don't know who said it or where it came from, but I've been asked about this a couple of times, and. Uh, yeah, it's it's obviously it's a it's it's a it's a great honor you know, to, to for people to see what you put in and to see the work you put in and the effort you put in and to be rewarded for that not not rewarded but acknowledged the people say listen well done you've worked extremely hard you know that's for me that was it you know, that was a that was just a handshake of, of somebody I respect that tells me listen 
well done, man. You, you can be proud of what you've done. I think that's the main thing, is that you, you're proud of yourself because you, you know that people see what, what you've put in, you know, how hard you've worked to, 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 to do what you're doing. And, um, I mean, I would, I would change that, you know, being named one of the top five players in the World Cup, I would change that for one victory in the World Cup. Yeah. To stand there with my million friends and, and win a game in the World Cup would have been, I would have traded that any time. Yeah. That was... That was always something that I strived for, and obviously, I mean, we just couldn't. We just fell short. I think in 2015 World Cup, I thought I was convinced we were going to get our first win, but I mean, it didn't work out that way. But um, yeah, it was. It is a great honor, but I mean, like I said, it's. I, I would have much rather have been more successful as an Namibian rugby side with with my boys if if um, than than being uh, personally uh, singled out. Yeah, look. The thing is, you know. Um, that's what rugby is about, you know, and you've just nailed, nailed yeah. it on the head there. It's not about the one person, the individual, but still um, it's very, uh, you know, remarkable that within, you know, an Namibian squad that you've been able, and yes, you need your, all the other players, but also your passion, your, the, like you say, the work you've put in has then showed um, and people recognize that, uh, which is a, a special. Yeah. But, um, you know, Definitely. 2015 World Cup here in the UK must have been interesting for you because that was your home still. Um, you know, did you find it like playing at home um, in a way? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. By then, I've been there for six, seven years almost. So, it felt like home. Every game felt like a home game. <laughs> uh, we had those support. A lot of people would just say, say hello and, and, and obviously know who you are. And uh, I mean, especially that that All Black game we had so much support. You know, um, it was it was it was amazing. To we scored that single try after after taking quite a beating against the All Blacks um, and scoring that one try. It was the moment of the game. The way the stadium erupted and the love we received from the crowd was was amazing. Um, and you know, I mean, I've got a very special place for England. You know, I've, I've made so many friends there and, and, and the memories I've made there. Um, such a great country, great people. I've been looked after extremely well since I got there. So um, it was it was more personal, more personal environment for me to go play there. Obviously, it would have been great maybe to see somewhere else that I've never been. You know, Japan would have been amazing to go there and to see what yeah. the culture and stuff. But, but I mean, to be there and, and, and be captain of my country and in the country that I've that I've played for so long was was yeah, I mean, it was a dream come true, really. Yeah, look. Um... Um, I think you, everybody agrees you've had a f- fantastic career and, and the way you went about your career stands out, the type of person you are. But um, tell us about your two tries in 100 games for Saracens. Can you remember yeah. any of them? Was it at the back of a mobile? I remember both. Was it? Yeah. yeah, I remember both. I mean, obviously, uh, I didn't carry the ball that much. I always... Uh, I had a I had a role in I, I always saw myself as I had a big role to play in a game, but it wasn't it wasn't carrying the ball and, and making special offloads. It was I mean I would hit a ruck, make as much tackles as you can, and just put put the opponents under so much pressure that they eventually make a mistake and, and your buddy scored tries. <laughs> but uh, I mean I scored those two tries. One was on the back of the mall, unfortunately, um, and and the other one was. Uh, was at Wembley, which was I mean, was my first ever try for Saracens. Um, it was um, Scott Pritz, uh, just a quick feed in the line-out, got the ball back and ran all the way, basically, and just popped it to me, like, just before the, the goal line. Support, but, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it's a good feeling to score a try. But for me, it's a lot lot better making five, ten big hits or in a match, um, making just, just the whole flow of a game... Um, Simple things. I enjoy the simple things in rugby. A good mall, a good scrum. You know, all those things, all those little battles on a on a pitch. You know, I much prefer winning that than, than scoring a try. Much prefer that just going out defending for ten phases and smashing the opponent for ten phases, or or mauling them for 30, 40 meters. Um, yeah, all of that stuff. All those little small challenges. Um, winning those are a lot better than scoring tries so yeah. that's why I only scored two tries yeah. and I, I never found I always um, there was a there was an opportunity to carry the ball I would I would always make sure that um, I was behind uh, Billy Villapula or somebody who's a 
big carrier so I could I could be the rocket. So try to be as selfless as possible. But um, I mean, I obviously knew uh, guys who are a lot better, better, you, bigger carriers. You, you got to know your game, don't you? And you knew your game and you knew where you were effective Definitely. and where your part was in the in, in yeah. a team. So, and that makes a team. So that that's important yeah, for yeah, people yeah. to understand yeah. as well for kids growing up you know yeah. you can't you you might not be able to score all those tries but you are helping to manufacture or produce yeah. those but um world game uh, game in africa how do you see it um the world game has grown and certain parts of the world is growing really fast how do you see africa and the game in africa going yeah, I think slower than, than I, I would hope, or I was hoping it would go. You know, I think um, probably not enough has been done to develop the game in, in Africa, specifically, not enough. Um, I think it would be great to get more funding, to get more programs set up and, and travel through Africa and, and set up rugby camps and do, do stuff where you develop uh, young young talent. Um, I went I went to, to Kenya a couple of years ago with the Progressive Pride, which is a charitable yes. um foundation um it was uh, and we went to to kenya in the very poorest of poor areas in africa i would say in, in, in nairobi um in the slums you know kids then they, their clothes were torn basically didn't have clothes to wear um i mean i enjoyed that week so much you know it was it was um it was hard work you know trying to to, to get them into that trying to explain to them what rugby is like you know and um just the, I mean, the excitement you see on their faces was was, was unbelievable. And to see how much they take away from only one week of investing in them, only one little week where you just kind of show them a couple of a couple of things, just basic, very basic things, and, and how they progressed. Um, we had another tournament by the end of the week uh, to see how much they progressed towards the end of the week was was unreal. So I think not enough develops developments being done throughout Africa. You know, for me personally, I I'd like to work with. With, I think older kids, you know, I can explain to them the values and stuff of rugby wears. But you need you need those people who can work with small kids, you know, work with them and, and get them into rugby, keep them away from um, all the negative stuff away from rugby. I mean, if you like, we spoke about it earlier, what rugby, what the values and the core values of rugby, the respect, uh, the work ethic, the friendships you make, all of those things, you know, it's so so important to to get all those things into into rugby players and in commun- communities. Uh, and I mean, in, in, to, to get us in, in development-wise, to, I mean, getting more teams um, on the world stage, you know, Kenya, like physically always, African teams are extremely tough. Uh, they're, they're not afraid. There's a lot of athletes, guys, with uh, so much talent, uh, with speed, power, all those things, you know. Uh, it's just... If there's some time and some money spent on a lot of these people, um, the big issue as well is the rugby, the rugby unions of African countries. I don't think enough's being done in most countries to develop the game and to um, to, to yeah to, to manage funds better. You know, I think that's that's other, the challenging bit about Africa is uh, I don't think funds are managed well enough. Even though funds are available, uh, a lot of it gets lost or a lot of it gets used on the wrong things and. and Sponsors don't want to get involved. I know specifically in Namibia, the case where sponsors just don't want to get involved because money, they don't, they're not sure where their money is going, going to be going and they, they don't see enough growth to invest. Yeah. So invest is obviously, but we need more people to, to, to go out and yeah, grow that, the game. That governance, governance piece that you're talking about and then also the, the, yeah. the education, um, on how yeah. to, where to spend best strategic decisions yeah. and getting the right people to 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 be able to do uh, to make the difference now you mentioned um Bubezi pride and we, we haven't announced it yet but um while we are on this topic um we are very uh, happy to say that we uh, and Bubezi pride pride are partners they are a charity partner and we are looking forward to with rugby coffee. If people don't know, rugby coffee is, is started, and we um, actually it's now the twentieth of November. Last night, late last night, the online shop in the UK went live, and um, it's nerving time. But we are excited because what we are, the kind of whole concept is to sort of get some um, funds to 
these partners that can work with kids through the game of rugby and, and create a difference, make a difference, add value, give opportunity. So we we are extremely excited about the Bubezi Pride thing. And you know the work that they've done. You for experience at first hand. So yeah. um, if that's a small part and uh, you know what we can do and um we all can do to sort of add um value and give people that uh, kids that opportunity to play a bit of rugby and that game can grow and the values is learned early you know um perhaps you know they will they will become sustainability um uh in these programs and in these um rugby countries you know where they the great game then can grow and people then can invest more so um on that note i was going to say people go and buy some coffee um online if you're in the uk especially we will open our other areas um in the world as we go um but the operation is going in the uk you if you're in europe you can you can you can order as well and uh, what we said, 20% of our profits until the end of December uh, to kick it off. We call it Get the Game Started campaign. We're going to put that into a charity and then um, we will grow our charity partner pool, um, you know, so we make sure we across the world. But very important, we are looking to make a difference and we can only do it together and we feel rugby and coffee brings people together and we can make a change and we can make a difference. So thanks for mentioning that. And that just prompted me to sort of put this out. But um, you, uh, um, we approached you, Jack, uh, strategically, you in Africa, you a person who've pl- played in the UK and in, in Europe, you've been in the World Cup, there's influence there, there's a chance for us to sort of um, get people to understand what we're trying to do. Uh, we build a business then based on that, and then from that we can we can make a difference. Um, how come did you get involved with us as an ambassador? Yeah, like you said, uh, I should say. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, I mean, like you just said, I mean, um, you the charitable uh, foundation where you can where people give away their profits, you know, to people less fortunate to grow the game. We all love so much and provide opportunities for people, uh, especially, I mean, in the, in the poorer countries in Africa where, where, I've, where I've grown up grown up my life, where I've seen people with so little, you know, and how much a little bit of investment and attention and a little belief and love uh, are put, being put into them, how much they grow, how much they develop. And obviously, uh, seeing that and knowing that Rugby Coffee um, invests there and, 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 and they offer funds to help and, and uh, people like Basic Pride and, and sure other charity events to to grow the game, you know, the game we all love, and, and uh, obviously like I like coffee as well. So I mean that's the second that's the second reason. I mean, a good cup of coffee, and there's nothing wrong with a good cup of coffee. So I mean I would encourage people, please, please buy and, and, and buy your coffee online, and, and make sure you're part of this whole um, special movement of rugby coffee and the charitable events and the the way they give to, to the less fortunate. Now, it's something really special, and I'm extremely honoured to be proud of that. All, the whole start of it, and I'm hopefully in the next couple of years, it can grow into something special. No, we are very excited that you're involved, and thank you for for being involved and and understand what we're trying to do. Um, our brand ambassadors like Jock is, is there to help us grow it and help us um, succeed in our mission. And but we we know it's a it's a whole thing like a team works together like everybody's got a part to play and everybody's got and we we would encourage like Jack says um, to get onto our journey and follow us on our social media um, rugby coffee and buy our coffee if um, if we have our roasters ready in other parts of the world we'll let you know um, but if you around Europe or UK uh, want some of this coffee try it out. We'll be happy. I placed the first order last night. I actually, it was this morning, quarter past one. Once I made it live, um, set it up for life, I ordered the first coffee from it. And um, I see since then we've had some orders coming in, which is exciting. So, now, Jack, I want to thank you so much for your time, first of all, today, but mostly for your 
um, willingness to be part of what we're trying to do. Um, and we, like we said when we started speaking to you, it's a long thing that we we took talking about longevity. Um, charities don't need somebody to come in and then just leave again. Charities need people to be or uh, companies or funds to be there regularly, and that's what we're trying to grow. And um, that helps them then to sort of put their program on. But yeah, we're excited and we're excited for you to be involved. So thank you very much from the bottom of our hearts. And um, just again on your career, um, amazing career. You can be very proud. Um, Namibia can be very proud. I know Saracens is very proud to have you to have, have you there, uh, had you there as a player. Um, and any team that had you really. Um, but yeah, thank you for, for that. And, you know, with the holiday coming up in, in your part, enjoy it. And, um, you know, the farm, hope that the animals stay well and you guys get um, a, a good year ahead. Um, yeah, and to the family, um, all have a good time and uh, all the best. And, uh, yeah, enjoy living your life, your lifestyle and and and. Africa, and we hope to see you hopefully at some point with Ubezi Pride and, and the Rugby Coffee in Africa to do some make some difference. Yeah, thank you very, very much, Kornay. Thank you very much for the support. Obviously, you guys and everybody has given me all of all these years, and that hopefully we can get some some of that support behind this whole Rugby Coffee initiative and, and really push it forward and do something. Thank you very much. Thank you. And that was an hour and six minutes as the longest podcast ever. Um, but, uh, but it was a good one. Now, we finish off with this, Jock. Um, three words. I'll give you a word. You immediately uh, respond with a word or something that you, that comes up. Okay. So, yeah. defense. Um, joy. <laughs> Namibia. Uh, um... Love. Saracens. Memories. Amazing. Thanks, uh, Jock. Amazing. That was Jock Burger, everybody. And thank you for listening to Rugby Coffee. And please go and buy some coffee and we'll make a difference together. Thanks, Jock. <laughs>